0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie
1: and Marcus.
0: And today we are going to be wrapping up the final leg of the Sunshine Double, the Miami 2022 Masters 1000 event. Uh, on the men's side, Carlos Alcaraz, the 18 year old, has won, becoming the young one of the youngest Masters 1000 winners ever. Uh, which is really an astounding achievement by him, and something that we called on this podcast actually uh, about a week or two ago, if you guys can remember. So the writing was on the wall for Carlos's breakout, and and it happened here at Miami, similar to again Rafael Nadal, <laughs> who also won the Miami Masters at 18 years old. So a really sort of interesting parallel that's going on here with uh, Frank. With he's
1: Carlos. never he's actually never won the Miami Masters.
0: Wait, no. No, he uh, made the final. Oh, is it oh, it was just the final that he made, but he didn't win it?
1: Mm-hmm. Nadal has actually never won the Miami Masters, although making the finals four times.
0: Fascinating. There you go. See? Fun factoid, and we live fact check on Breakpoint Podcast.
1: Breakpoint podcast is fake news.
0: Yeah. Breakpoint hashtag breakpoint podcast is fake news. That's true. <laughs> anyway, um, it's all fair. right. So let's get to Carlos Alcaraz. Carlos Alcaraz beat uh, Casper Rude in the final, who we will be touching upon in this episode also Um, uh, in the final Alcaraz pretty much dominated this tournament from start to finish. He had a fantastic match against Stefano Tsitsipas in the round of 16 or the quarterfinals. I can't remember exactly when that was. I think it was round of 16. Um, That was arguably one of the best matches that I have seen all year, if not in like A very long time just two guys being super aggressive um, playing a very uh, aesthetically pleasing style of tennis to the eye that was I think great for the neutral but it just proved that nobody on the tour I think at this point can go toe-to-toe offensively with Carlos Alcaraz I I can't think of a player on tour that's going to be able to beat him in a one-on-one offensive showdown
1: no not at the moment this guy's bringing the most firepower on tour for sure um, I mean, if we just look at his results through Miami, super quick. Frank ta- routinely takes care of Martin Fuszkovic, six three six two, who is a bona fide quali- quality player on tour who usually doesn't get pushed around like that. Takes out Marin Cilic, big hitter, six four six four. Stefano he seems to own. Takes him out, seven five six three. Had an amazing match with Miramir Savanovic, who deserves a massive shout out for participate. You know for sorry participating geez everyone participated but for playing extremely well in the last two tournaments might i uh, might i add um, on his comeback,
0: uh, he's coming back off an injury. He's playing amazing.
1: Love ri- Kazmanovic. Ridiculous ball. Been doing some really good work with David Nalbanian over the year. Glad to see him finally get through. Beats Hubi Hercash, who is also one of the most aggressive players on tour. Defending champion, Hubi Hurkacz. Defending champion, 7-6, 7-6. To beat a big server like that in two tiebreaks, ridiculous. And then we saw him come back against Rude, And, I mean, basically at that point, you just kind of knew the second set was going to be a wrap, even though Rude kind of kept it close. I mean, this guy is on an absolute tear. One Rio, semis of Indian Wells, wins Miami. Frank, I'm with you, man. This guy really has very, very little weaknesses. I don't even if like if I were a coach, which I am, but not on a pro tour level, I'd have no idea what to tell my player. I'd just tell him to go pray, yeah,
0: i I think <clears throat> I think Carlos just there's really uh, like funny enough guy, uh who listens to this podcast very frequently, um and shout out to Guy, Uh, sent a like joke Instagram DM to us saying, oh, yeah, Carlos Alcaraz is going to win 30 majors now. Like, quite honestly, like at this point, can we really say that that's like completely out of the realm of possibilities? Because he's 18 years old and there's no one who is remotely as good as he is, like even within six years of him. Like you're gonna tell me that Sasha Zverev, who like is just going into the pit of irrelevancy, uh, Stefano Sitsipas that he just owns, or <laughs> Daniil Medvedev, who just seemingly has forgotten how to play tennis very briefly, are anywhere near this kid, both mentally and from a game point, uh, like a, a gameplay standpoint. How about like,
1: physically, like, the guy, the kid is just He's for amazing. Years old. It's, it's amazing. Insane.
0: It's amazing. He is nothing short of amazing. He is a bona fide superstar. He is the next face. He's not the next face of tennis. He is the face of tennis. He is. It's not next. He just is. This guy's going to win a Grand Slam this year. I'm saying it now. He's going to win a Grand Slam this year at 18. I, I don't know which one it'll be. I doubt it'll be Wimbledon, but I, I mean, we've eaten our words on this podcast before. So... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it'll be at Roland Garros. Maybe it'll be at the U S open. I have no idea, but I think at this point, like my original trajectory for Carlos was, you know, maybe he'd start challenging for majors like next year or two years from now, this guy's going to be challenging for majors this year. He's going to be getting to the tour finals this year. So I, I mean, yeah, this remember is a wake what... <laughs> up call to everyone on the tour, like you're all screwed. I don't know how else to say it.
1: Remember one of our earlier episodes this year, and we were having a debate as to whether or not he would make the World Tour finals by the end of the year, and the guy's already top twelve? I mean, this is absurd. To me right now, take the let's take the rankings out of the picture. He is for me a top four player on this planet right now. The only people who I can put in with him would be Med- would be Nadal, Djokovic, and Medvedev. Those nope, are the only. I don't only... even put
0: Medvedev. I don't even put Medvedev. Ah,
1: we'll, 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 get no. it, we'll get into that. And, we'll... and, and
0: honestly, I think you could even debate Novak because we haven't seen Novak.
1: That's so debatable. That's why I'm so, saying. So you that's could... even hard to say. You, well, I
0: think you I, can only say Nadal. Nadal is realistically the only player that's like consistently beating I, I him anymore.
1: I didn't say they were ahead of him. I just said those are the, my top four right now. Those are my top four. I didn't say he's ahead of him. I didn't say that. But I said those are my top four right now because Tsitsipas. Tsverev, I mean, those Another dudes, one bites
0: the dust, dust. See ya. Go into yeah. the pit of misery. Dilly yeah. dilly. Like, I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. I'm ya. dead
1: serious. These guys... Alexander Zverev is deeply regretting not winning that 2020 US Open because I could honestly see this guy not winning a slam. And I could say the same thing about pass. I can say screwed. the same thing.
0: No, I'm not I'm not even kidding when I'm I'm like sounding joking, but like I'm not joking. Like these guys are screwed. Like I don't know what to tell you. And it also just goes to show you that like maybe there is something to that argument that Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer were as good as they were for so long because these guys just sucked in comparison. Like, quite honestly, I'm not even kidding the fact that an 18 year old and granted this 18 year old is sick. But like the fact that this guy has just burst on the scene this quickly while these like mental basket cases of, you know, the supposed next gen have just uh, like dragged their feet for the past few years. Yeah, this is, co- this, is conver- this is the this is the conversation. This is the conversation.
1: This is the conversation we were having in terms of you know why I wasn't a big fan of these guys is because of the inconsistency. W- these guys are consistently losing third, fourth round of these tournaments. They'll have one good one so they can hold on to the ranking, but that's it. I don't consider them serious threats, and they've had chances. Tsitsipas had a chance to beat Novak at the French. Was up two sets of love. Should have, should Blew have. It. Let's say it. Blew it. Should have, should have. Yeah, of course he you should have. You're up two sets of love. You just got to win one more. Blew it. Sverev. Two chances potentially to win the U.S. Open. One was against Dominic Team without a Djokovic, and you completely blew that tiebreak. And then last year where he had Djokovic basically by the you-know-what in the semifinals, blew that, and has since basically just, I don't know. And the
0: Australian Open. Put that in there too. Australian Open as well. No Djokovic. And what do you do? You blow it. You lose. Blow it it against
1: Shapovalov. I mean, listen, Shapovalov, a good player, I get it. But, like, come on. If you're going to be, like, a top-four guy and you want to be a slam contender and people that actually take you seriously, like us forget it. No, no, he's he's done. You're you're almost killing, you're almost killing umpires. You know what I mean? You got the whole other, I'm, I'm
0: so, I'm so over these guys. I am so done with the excuses and the like, pardon my French bullshit that goes on with Stefano Tsitsipas, Alexander Zverev, like enough. Like the two of them are the biggest crybabies on tour that they just complain at every single like ounce of like, resistance to their like entitlement rise that they have that it's just it's ridiculous and this kid has proven has proven that in that you can do it if you actually like work hard have a good attitude and your game is there these guys Zverev and Tsitsipas have all of the tools the natural ability is all theirs they have the prototype like they have the better body type they've had everything like like they have it and they haven't like they just have not done it against the big three. Carlos are... Alcaraz is physically diminutive next to Pass. Quite. No, but seriously, like from a height perspective, like Pass has five inches on him, at least six Only inches. Height,
1: you see those muscles on that man? Carlos Dang.
0: Alcaraz is pumping the ball at 137 at 511 and a half
1: what? I mean, yeah, listen, listen Frank, the, the, the guy's are freak. And I think it really comes down to this is that Zverev and guys like Zverev and Sitsipas have been caught so caught up in the limelight of being a professional tennis player that it's taken away their focus, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because we've seen top players do that before. Like a la he can, you know, he's Mr. He's Mr. Perfect does commercials for Lint Swiss, whatever, you know, he does everything, but he's still able to ball. So good. Same thing with Andre Agassi back in the day, but these guys don't know how to handle it. Carlos Alcaraz, this dude is just all about effing tennis. Literally, he goes to sleep, dreams about tennis. He wakes up, he's got tennis balls in his bed. This guy is just all about his tennis. And this is why he's winning these tournaments. And this is why, Frank, you know, uh, I'm going to save my pick for the French Open at the end. But I, it's just, it's just unbelievable how good this guy is. I think we're in for a serious, serious treat. This is a warning shot to all the current gen guys like Tsverev, uh, Tsitipas, even Medvedev at this point. Uh, Yannick Sinner, dude, you better get it together quick because no, this guy you know is what? about you your know
0: age. Jan, Jan, I'm not as worried about. Jan. I'm not as worried about because Jan is only 20 years old. And I think that this will put a fire under his ass to actually like make this work. But for all those other guys, you are screwed. Like you had your window. This kid's here now. You're donezo. Like, because not only is he great on hardcore, he's even better on clay. And guess what? Give this kid a year or two, he's going to be winning Wimbledon's too.
1: I know. We went basically from these guys estimating around between anywhere between four and eight slams. That number has been reduced to like one to three now. I think, you know, listen. Uh, Alc let's not pretend no, like Alcaraz is going to. No, win. I agree. I agree. Yeah, you know, no, like, it
0: is one to three. No, you're right. It's one to three. It's not an exaggeration. Not. You're right. There's no way that you can project that Sitsipas and Zverev, who have continuously had opportunities in slams without the big three there. Uh, Are gonna win more than one to three slams. You cannot project that anymore. Between Alcaraz and Sinner, like these guys are gonna be so much like it's the men, and this just goes to show you that the most important part of tennis is not necessarily your physical attributes, it's not your gameplay, it's all mental. It is all mental because the first thing that we noticed, like even last year with Sinner and Alcaraz was the mental part. We were just like, these guys mentally just have it whether it's sinner being like bjorn borg reincarnated with like the ice cold completely focused like you know that attitude or carlos alcaraz who is just right-handed rafa where he is just like completely (laughs) has the crowd on his side the entire match and like gets like pumped up like nobody's business it's it's so obvious And meanwhile, you've got, like, crybaby number one and crybaby number two who need to go use the wambulance, like, every set. It's
1: ridiculous. (laughs) Wambulance. Gotta go to the bathroom to take craps and get coaching advice from their daddy. Dad, can you text me how to beat this guy? I and mean, That's seriously. another thing. No, it's but that's a, another thing. The coaching. Yeah.
0: Talk about the coaching. Go ahead. You. I'll let you rant. I've been ranting too much.
1: Oh, no. It's an, it's insanity. I mean, just like, uh, listen, these guys are in their mid-20s. Like, wh- what are we doing? How is an 18-year-old guy coming on tour and kicking your ass, basically, with essentially one coach? By the way, Alexander, you know who used to coach Alexander Zverev? One. Carlos Ferrero and Severo dumped him like a hot potato. Well, how's that turned out, huh? Juan Carlos Ferrero, the absolute best t- coach on tour right now. Barnon has turned Carlos Alcaraz into an absolute superstar, essentially over not really overnight, over the past year, but that relationship, I'm very I'm very excited to see where that goes. These other guys really need to sharpen it up mentally, otherwise they're going to be left with W- either none or minimal amount of grand slams and they're going to be kind of looked at as oh well you could have but you know you you were just a head case right because i believe in i still believe in medvedev i know he's going through a little rough patch right now i, I still that. i still believe in the guy long term a- and short term as well so you know let, let's actually actually before we do that let's talk about the women's final because i know we just ranted i don't know one 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 <laughs> okay, last thing gotta, on carlos he, one oh, last boy, here thing we on go
0: carlos okay the last person who's joining Zverev and Sitsipas in the pit of misery slash pit of irrelevancy, dilly dilly.
1: Can I guess is go ahead. Dominic Team?
0: No, Dominic Team isn't even a tennis player anymore. <laughs> um... <laughs> okay, no. Leave Dominic Team out of this. That's a low blow. Um... <laughs> the answer is Patrick Moratoglu. Complete irrelevancy. Glad you ha- like put all your horses with Stefano Sitzipas and just enabling this baby attitude that he has.
1: Good uh, luck. You're talking coaching wise, yeah, yeah. No, he's uh, he he's probably deeply regretting not getting Alcaraz over to his academy. Anyways, I bet you everyone is. Um, Frank, let's talk about the women's final for a bit. We have a Sunshine double winner in Iga Swiatek. I need to actually pronounce how to say that woman's name right. I think it's Swiatek. People say it differently. I don't care. I'm I was told she's but
0: whatever. Yeah, but there's
1: no, there's no, end. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm
0: gonna just reach out to one of my Polish friends and ask them. And uh, then that's just, good. we're just gonna say Iga for this episode and, and Iga. move
1: on. Okay, Iga, um, world number one right now. Uh, she became the world number one after Indian Wells. Is that correct?
0: Uh, no, I think she clinched that? it halfway through Miami. No, j- oh, it was just, in Miami. Yeah, 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 so in with, Miami,
1: she with newfound expectations of being number one in the world. Uh, Wins Miami, which wins her the Sunshine Double. So she just picked up basically, what was it, 2,000 points in two weeks. Not a bad effort. Continues to provide that consistency that we've been kind of craving post-Serena era. Um, I think it's great for the game. I absolutely love her game. She brings so much variety. She's she's so fun. Beat Osaka
0: in the final, too.
1: Beat Osaka. And again, uh, we talked about this last, last podcast. Because of the variety that she brings to the game, it's so nice to watch and it's really counteractive to the Serena, Osaka, like Venus, and maybe even like Sharapova. Sabalenka. Just, Sabalenka, just bash the ball type thing and just hope that you can overpower the other girl. She brings a fantastic variety to the game, uh, and she seems like a sweetheart, so I'm I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah, no, all in on Iga. I think Iga is the, the new face of women's tennis. Um, <clears throat> listen, Osaka is a great player, and she's going to have a very nice career and i was happy that she got to the final good for her <clears throat> but uh iga Iga's the face i mean iga iga is going to be the face the fact that iga was able to win this uh title on a hard court a pretty fast hard court too over osaka who is like a ve- like very much a power player i think sort of proves the trajectory of where those two are going which is osaka is going to be like a very solid like consistent top five player in the world on the women's side for as long as she decides to play, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. She's already won multiple grand slams, but the future is Ega. The future is definitely with Ega. Her game is continuously improving. She's going to be dominating the clay. That's her preferred surface, by the way. So she's going to be dominating the clay. She's already got a French open under her belt, under her belt. And now Ash Barty is out of her way on a bunch of the other surfaces. I can really see Iga having a very nice season, maybe winning two majors this year. Um, We'll see. But I think she's definitely the clear favorite to be uh, year-end number one on the women's side. Uh, The other player I would shout out is Paula Bedosa, I believe is how you pronounce her last
1: name. Yes, yes. She has
0: been playing lights out for about six to seven months now. And and she... uh, you know, she she's done a really nice job. She's gotten herself up to number three in the world. So uh, I think she'll be a contender at a few uh, of the majors, particularly the U.S. Open. I think she did well in the North American hardcore swing uh, this like last year. So, you know, I could definitely see her making a run there. Got to the finals of the uh, WTA year end or year end finals where she lost to Muguruza. But uh, yeah, no, uh, women's game is in good shape. Women's game good hands. Uh, I think there's going to be a very clear handoff. I also think that it's really interesting, and this is something that we'll be touching upon in uh, an upcoming series that we have, but uh, it's really fascinating to me that the women's game is sort of transitioning from being very American-dominated, which it has been for a long, long time, to all of a sudden the Europeans are coming. And I think that there's going to be a transition similar to that of you know, the Andy Roddick U S open victory being passed to Roger Federer. And then all of a sudden the game was completely European dominated. I think that we're going to potentially see something like that happen on the women's side. Um, If you are an expert on the women's game, by all means, please DM us. I would love to have you on and have a discussion about this because I think it's a very interesting topic to sort of think about Um, because the American game is effectively just like Coco golf, or bust <laughs> like,
1: yeah at, at, for the future really of it got. yeah at this point yeah i mean all the other american players i can think of are kind of like towards the tail end of their careers um jessica was it jessica pakula i think yeah she's pretty good um she's Daniel the,
0: collins, yeah, danielle collins yeah danielle
1: collins also very good i mean good.
0: there's a bunch of american women that are good that you're just like oh yeah or like one slam wonders like you know a sonia kennan or, or something like that but oh, yeah,
1: I forgot about what's up with her. Where's exactly, she
0: exactly? Yeah, I, I mean, they like they have one slam, and then it's like irrelevant. <laughs> like it's it's really jarring. Um, but you know, we'll see. I, I, I don't think that Iga is gonna be like a a flash in the pan, like a B.B. Andrescu, or you know, and like I mean, there is just so many on the women's side. I, I don't know why it happens so continuously. It's like too much parody, which is why like so many people are turned off to the women's game, but. I think uh, I think Iga's got the potential to be the next sort of she's not going to be the next Serena. There's never going to be a next Serena. But like, could she be a Justine Anna? Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, I'm, I I think she's a multiple Absolutely. time slam and winner, she, And
1: she's so young, you know, and she's got good coaching, good head on her shoulders. Like, I, I, I think she's got a really good, very
0: likable, like, yeah.
1: like yeah. super, super
0: likable. So, yep. yeah, no, sky's okay. the limit for her. Very happy. All right. We have been talking about these two way too long. Um, and we have topics. so much to get through It's just so bad. It's definitely my fault. I was definitely ranting for like 10 minutes at the start of this. I'm going to listen back and be Epic. really upset. Um,
1: <laughs> and then, Marcus, you go rant, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, whatever. Um, I had to let it out anyway. didn't, uh, Daniel Medvedev. We touched upon him. He's going to be out for the next one to two months because of a hernia issue. I believe he said, um, We talked about this last time. Is this the time to start ringing the bell on Daniil? Is something wrong? Or is this again just sort of like he needs a mental reset?
1: I think this is going to be a good break from him. Um, I think he was kind of struggling with the whole Russia situation. That's obviously taken a heavy toll on a lot of players, not just him, but a lot of, you know, Ukrainian, Belarusian, Russian players. Basically, anyone kind of involved in that, like involved closely in that. Obviously, the whole world's involved, but like involved kind of more closely with that. Uh, And then apparently he had this hernia issue, which kind of makes sense as to why he's been struggling lately so i'm going to combine those two things i'm not really too concerned um clay we don't really expect anything of him on clay anyway so let's see how he does on grass uh the real tell-all will be in the u.s open kind of summer series there right before the open and then post we'll see how he recovers from that um but I'm not really too concerned, Frank. I think that he's still going to be a dominant player. He just kind of needs a little a little break here. And I think during the clay season, honestly, I think this is the best time. I mean, I don't wish anybody injury, but this is probably the if there was a time to get injured, this would be the best time to get injured because he's really not defending many points on clay. I know he's gotten better the last couple of years, but this is not really an important part of the season for him.
0: No, I think he's got like one quarterfinal on a clay masters 1000 to worry about other than that like it's a bunch of first round second round so like this makes no difference for him whatsoever. I think I think you're exactly right. We'll see him on the grass. He should be fine on the grass because his serve is good enough for him to get at least a few rounds in on a grass grass court but uh other than that I I think the judge for Danielle is going to be the second that, you know, a ball bounces on like the Western and Southern Open or the Rogers Cup. On concrete. Like concrete. Yeah. <laughs> the
1: second, the second,
0: the second they hit the North American concrete, you know, we'll we'll see how Daniil is looking. Uh the other player that we wanted to touch upon, uh, a podcast favorite, Casper Rude. Um Casper Rude beat Daniil. Um Ruud had a really nice tournament. Um, this was the first time that Rude has really balled out on a non clay surface like this. Like this is very opposite of what we're used to from him um so yeah i mean just tell us a little bit why he was able to make this final i thought he played really well um super happy he's a great guy too so yeah just talk talk about casper
1: yeah first of all shout out to fritz from liu men's soccer he's from norway he's a big casper rude fan so um here's your promise <laughs> i'm making up on this promise to uh, to talk about him a little bit but he and I, you know what? I owe an apology to Casper because I was kind of an anti casper Rudder last year. I thought it was a bunch of bologna. President of
0: the Casper hate
1: club. Yep. That was me for a little bit. Uh, but I'm sold now because now I've seen him play on hard court a little bit, Frank. The adjustment for him is that he's been able to play so fast and aggressive with his forehand now. And he's really weaponized it. He's coming into net more. And his backhand looks a little awkward, but you know what? He hits that thing so high and so heavy for a two-hander. I've actually almost never seen it besides maybe from some like Argentinian dirt ballers. But man, he gets some wicked spin on that thing. It's almost lefty forehand-ish. And then he just runs around and starts cranking forehands. That first set against Alcaraz, he was averaging at 91 miles an hour on his forehand. That is absurd. It was 10 miles an hour faster than Alcaraz. It was insane. So he can put on some serious heat. He's starting to step into the court. He's coming to net uh his serve is uh un- i guess under under appreciated underrated
0: underrated. Yeah, underrated jesus
1: thank you frank um it's it's underrated really it's it's a very sneakily good serve i'm super impressed by what i'm seeing with Cass brood on hard courts He's a dark horse to win the French Open. I know we mentioned this last year. I think he's in my top five for favorites to win the French Open this year. I agree with that. Super, yeah, fully super agree. impressed with no, him. No, no, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Even before this tournament, I would have agreed with that. Um, no, the, you can't doubt Rude's chops on clay. Uh, serve, I agree with you. Sneaky, good. Uh, but the difference, like you mentioned, with this tournament, and hopefully this is some an adjustment that he makes on hard courts going forward, uh, is the forehand. I mean, his forehand he was being very aggressive. I saw him going for a bunch of forehand down the lines, like just flattening the ball out that I was like, Hey, now, like, I didn't know you had this in the bag. Um, so really good to see that. I think if he's able to unlock that, I mean, if I was a one handed backhand player, for example, I would want nothing to do with Casper rude because the way that he flicks that two hander, I mean, you're going to have a miserable time playing him. So, Yeah, Casper. Casper is going to be great. Fitness, not a problem at all. One of the fittest guys on tour. Uh, Mentally, uh, absolutely rock solid. Nothing to worry about there. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that I think, if if things fall a certain way, can definitely end up end up uh, in the year end rankings being a top five player. I wouldn't. I would not be surprised if that happened.
1: Nope, not at all. And the way that he's been able to kind of trend, and this is what I love about. Guys who really go from good to great, like good on one surface, but then kind of great overall players, that they are able to adapt their game pretty quick to other surfaces. He's becoming a great hardcore player. Grass, I mean, that's a very small portion of the season. I, but I'm curious, though. But I think the way that he's adapting himself to hard courts, I'm very impressed with.
0: You know who he reminds me of and shout out to him because it's his, I think it was his 40th birthday either today or yesterday. Uh, spe- speaking of the topic that you just mentioned is David Ferrer. You know, in the yes. same way that Ferrer yes. was able to adjust yes. being just a clay court player to like Ferrer became a very good overall player on any surface, no matter it was an indoor hardcore, outdoor hard, like whatever. That's what I feel like Casper Root has done to his game. He has really like shaped himself into being a very good all around touring professional.
1: Love um, that comparison, Frank. Love that comparison. Really good.
0: Well, that's why they pay me the big bucks on the Breakpoint podcast. So, uh, uh, that and my Fanasi Kokonakis predictions. Um, yeah, those are really like, good. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta joke about yourself, you know. Sure. Fanasi Kokonakis actually had a good tournament. Yeah. Um, Too bad you to like, did I think him to got the third round, something like that. So, yeah, good <laughs> for him. Um, anyway, uh, last thing we're gonna wrap up here is looking ahead to the clay season. we sort of alluded to this a little bit uh what are some things that you're going to be looking out for we'll probably have like a larger like clay court preview podcast but just give us a rough idea right now A quick quick little elevator pitch Uh,
1: yeah elevator pitch three things one uh how does nadal recover from this rib injury and when does he actually return is he going to be making it a time for maybe the rome masters as a warm-up before the french open curious to see how he does there two Uh, The return of Novak Djokovic, he's going to be playing in at least, I believe, two or three of these events. I'm not sure where he's allowed to play. I know he's training in Monte Carlo for Monte Carlo. He can probably play Madrid. I think Rome is the one that he's not allowed to play. Uh, He's good to go for the French Open. So very curious to see how he's played because we really haven't seen him play this year yet. And three, Carlos Alcarez. I mean, I want to see this guy play in clay court so bad, dude, so bad.
0: Yeah. Uh, number one for me is Novak. Uh, gotta be Novak. Biggest wild card on the tour. Uh, number two for me is that guy from Austria, Dominic Team. Very curious to see how he turns out because, I mean, at his best, I mean, he he he's one of the best clay court players in the world. At his worst, he's losing a challenger match in the first round. Shout out to Dominic Team. Um that's brutal that was that was a low blow by that me. was sorry. a that was really that was low tough. blow i'm sorry Come on, yeah, man. Tough. that was not that a was low a-
1: blow for me before these is that was a new low yeah although i mean he, he did lose to okay.
0: exactly. exactly all right yeah
1: no all right yeah I, I no cap yeah go ahead yeah you're good
0: um uh, second for me is, uh, third for me is, I, I'll, I'll try to not overlap with you. I agree with all the things that you said, but, uh, is Sitsi and Zverev. Sitsi and Zverev won two Masters 1000 events on clay last year. Are they going to be truly going into the pit of misery, irrelevancy, and just going to be completely blocked off by either Nadal and now Ar- Alcaraz, and even Sinner, qu- quite honestly, who also does really well on clay, and Rude, who also, by the way, sick on clay. Oh, I'm taking um, Rude
1: over all the all over not all those guys over. uh Zverevance, 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 it's fair, one hundred percent right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So, I mean, if those guys start to lose those Masters one thousand points, that's where we're all of a sudden going to see, you know the steady fall of those guys from the rankings. And, you know, once they start to lose ranking points, their draws become a lot harder and they start losing a lot earlier. You see how this spirals. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm going to be looking for is, is can Sitsipas, you know, hold all of the points that he gained during the clay season last year that are effectively holding his ranking up on stilts right now. So uh, we'll see, but uh, that's going to do it for us uh thanks for listening this is was a very fun episode for me personally i enjoyed this one it's good to get this out yeah for sure this was
1: this was a this was a really this was a really good this was some serious passion in this one i love this one man yeah oh, yeah God.
0: this this is this is an episode this episode is an example of why we started the podcast um because we but, would
1: have this, instead of having these conversations by ourselves, now we can broadcast it to the world so thank you all for listening
0: yeah. and and I have to make sure that I don't curse as much as I normally would, but that's Will- willingly
1: fine. listen by the way, willingly. <laughs> yeah <it's true. laughs> not not not, true. not our significant others who have to deal with this. They actually willingly click play. so I know, Thank right? <laughs> thanks, um,
0: guys. yeah, thanks for listening. We're gonna try to do some more fun stuff on the Instagram marks, and I have been super busy, so we haven't been able to like be on top of it as much as usual. But, um anyway, Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, reach out to us Instagram, uh, DM us on Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast Seven. Uh, we'd love to have you on if you're interested in being on topic of your choice, anything like that. Definitely let us know. And uh, yeah, uh, I think that's gonna that's gonna do it for me. I'm gonna sign off, Marcus. Yep,
1: that's wrapping it. See you guys.